So we're doing a very timely episode this week because, yes, two days ago at the time of the recording, which would be last week when this gets aired, Tim Berners-Lee celebrated an anniversary, and that was, of course, the 30th anniversary of him releasing the first web page on the internet. So we are celebrating a very big milestone of the internet, and what better way to celebrate that than to talk about Web 3.0 and the way that we have evolved from the original web. So uh, to do this discussion with me, of course, today I would like to welcome Yaro, who is the head of product of Mysterium Network. How are you doing today, Yaro? Thank you. I am very happy to join this conversation. Mm -hmm. Isn't it exciting? 30 years of the web? It's unbelievable. For many people, it's uh, twice as much of their life. Uh, yeah. They're actively using those new services. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we just, so this is going to be a small plug for the Hacker Noon Instagram account. But so we're, we run this series on our Instagram accounts of the milestones of the internet and what happened in internet history. So one of the pieces that I saw on our Instagram a few days ago was that piece of the anniversary of the internet. So I would love to go through with you some of the ways that we've evolved from Web 1.0. To start, can you explain what Web 3.0 is to begin with and why does it matter? It's very hard to explain because uh, <laughs> uh, usually you know what something is after it's already happened. Yeah. And we are now in transition between Web 2.0 to Web 3.0. Actually, I remember when we had transition from 1.0 to 2.0 mm -hmm. in 5, 6, 7. This transition wasn't short. It, it took maybe 10 years. And like that time, we were transitioning from uh, readable internet into writable internet. So mm -hmm. if you look back... Uh, to those days, like uh, early 2000, people were just reading on the internet. It was like newspaper. You could create your own website, but commenting was super advanced feature that days. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then people started to talk that, oh, internet is changing. And even I remember 10 years ago, people started to talk also what will be Web 3.0. And they had similar concept to what we have now, which I will go forward. But that time they said, maybe that's an readable, writable and executable internet. But actually we already live in executable internet, which means that most of applications we are using are already in your browser. Like, mm -hmm. I, uh, like if you will look into the past, most of the software you install was installed in your computer. And these days, you're just opening your browser. So Twitter is application, Trello is application. Like all the things are in internet, but it's still not a Web 3.0. Mm -hmm. And then people started to think maybe Web 3.0 is a machine-friendly internet. So in internet, when websites and all the services are exposing some interfaces with metadata, which would be easy consumable for robots and this idea kind of 10 years ago like if you will be uh, browsing uh, like searching for web 3.0 you will find two two branches of it one will be about this machine friendly internet with metadata 
the old one and another will be blockchain and all the cryptocurrency related projects, yeah. decentralization. <laughs> to be honest, I think that's the same thing because what we were lacking 10 years ago on internet, it was possibility to have money. And if you will look on internet today, it's totally uh, occupied by big corporations. Mm-hmm. Just do you remember Zynga company? Okay. That was the company which was building games on Facebook. Okay. And Facebook actually destroyed, the co- that was billions worth of company. And Facebook destroyed their business model because Facebook decided that their platform will work differently or they mm-hmm. don't want it. Apple yeah. did many times, like now in the uh, Europe- European Parliament, we have a kind of deal between Apple and Spotify says that Apple is trying to use uh, their unfair advantage to destroy Spotify because uh, Apple Music is provided, promoted to all the Apple devices. So Mm -hmm. big corporations have, like they already proven many times, like Amazon is kicking some services from their uh, servers in two or three days notice just because of various reasons. There might be good or bad reasons, but they have this power. So Mm -hmm. internet is controlled by corporations. And people in cryptocurrency uh, believers in this blockchain movement thinks that's not correct way. Because in the same way, we don't want governments control money because that's a dangerous. We want also freedom in terms of how we consume applications like privacy, how many problems with Facebook privacy we had. So all those problems are today because somebody is controlling all the data you're using. And people who are fighting for changing internet, usually we say that should be internet, which is privacy oriented, mm-hmm. which provides a platforms which are already decentralized or we call it permissionless. You don't need Facebook permission to run something. You don't need a Google's permission, Amazon's permission. You just jump like on internet, in good old internet, you don't need permission to run your website. You're just running it. And it's going back to those days when it's more controllable by people but it's also should be friendly for robots in the same way. And when you got cryptocurrency, it means that robot could go to buy something on internet by using internet money, establish new service, pay for service providers. There are many decentralized like file storage alternatives. Everything is becoming decentralized. And it means that you don't need to sign contracts. You don't need to have any legal entity. So machines will be able to do something in the future internet. Um, So are you saying that Web 3.0 is synonymous with permissionless networks and decentralization? It's yes, it's all of that. It's uh, privacy oriented, not controlled by corporations, accessible without any agreements. Mm-hmm. And if needed, paid by cryptocurrency for you know, getting those services. Okay, so here's the difficult part. How? <laughs> That's a very <laughs> difficult part. I would say some people also ask when. Yeah. And uh, I would like, I think this when is already here, but for very small group of people. 
mm-hmm. let's call them freaks of uh, decentralization and privacy. Mm-hmm. It's like Bitcoin in 2010 or, or, or 11. Some people mm-hmm. are, are already used it, but it was super small group of people. Yeah. So how? There are how can many... we ensure that the web remains open and trustless? There are many different ways. I can, for example, share what we do at Mysterium, but I could also name some other projects who are working toward that. So first of all, we try to ensure that services, for example, in our case, Mysterium is decentralized VPN network. Mm -hmm. Usually big companies are owning exit nodes, so they could see all the users browsing uh, history and they could also sell that history. In our approach, what we decided that anyone at their home or they could uh, establish like server on data center, but it's owned by individuals, they could uh, spin up this service and then they could allow other people to start using it. And then there, there is a question always, oh, for free? Usually if it's a free, it will not work. You need a monetization model. Mm-hmm. And actually, thanks to cryptocurrencies, we have a possibility to monetize it in a permissionless way. So in our case, we have a payment system, which is like peer-to-peer payments when somebody who has VPN application on their uh, mobile phone is just starting to use the service and paying for each minute of service. And when it stops using, it stops paying. And somebody who is running the service, software is just getting those payments and is happy while he's getting payments. There are projects who are doing the same, for example, file storage here. Just imagine like Dropbox, you have Dropbox, so Dropbox own your files. But there is a project called Filecoin, for example. So when people are running a lot of big hard drives on usually on data centers, but it's still owned by them. So there is no single entity who is controlling all that data. And that data is like maybe copied 20 times and it's encrypted. When we're talking about Web 3.0, we're all the time talking about encryption, security. I sometimes, uh, sometimes I'm joking. Just imagine the playground of children. If you're building this uh, playground in your backyard, it could be, you know, like shaky or something because you see that it's only your childs are uh, using this playground and you can't control it. But just imagine public place playground. Some drunk people are going to destroy it just, yeah? So it have to be from iron, very solid. And the same is with uh, permissionless internet because we don't know who will use it. We need mm-hmm. kind of think all the time of worst case. So when you're asking how, it's a lot of engineering, a lot of encryption, <laughs> a lot of sophisticated systems and very solidly build it because engineers understand that anyone could do anything bad with it. That's why it's slow. <laughs> yeah. Progress. So how can we regulate Web 3.0 then? I don't think it's possible. Yeah, It's uh, the same question as how you will regulate Bitcoin. Regulators will try from different angles, but it's very hard because Web 3.0 is run in any country in the world. In Mysterium, for example, we have exit node runners in 54 countries. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. how you can find one legislation when uh, the same rules would apply. Mm -hmm. Like you can try to stop it in one country maybe, but it still will be working somewhere. So is Web 3.0 the answer to our privacy concerns then, or does this just add additional security risks? Privacy is a very hard topic to talk about. Yeah. I would say that Web 3.0 should be even more, not about privacy, but about control. Okay. Because Privacy could be also ensured by cryptography on centralized services. They just mm -hmm. never do that properly, usually. Like Telegram, for example, trying to do privacy for you by using cryptography. And it's still centralized service run by Telegram company. In Web 3.0, this encryption is by default. So privacy is by default there. It doesn't work without privacy but it's also giving you this permissionless access that this data, this information, this service is owned by you. So there is no corporation which could go and decide to kick you out of the business, to say to you that, hey, now your social network is illegal in our country. So in, for example, people had in Spain, they wanted to have a referendum to which government didn't like and the government just stopped website which is promoting this referendum but people started to use a web 3.0 technology called ipfs and they started to show the website via ipfs and government had no 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 possibility to stop it what is that the uh, ipfs yeah uh, its uh, full name is Intel interplanetary file system mm -hmm. So that's a project which allows you to, to spread your data over internet, ensuring that the data is not changed. So just imagine you have your document, yeah, PDF file, that there is a thing. Okay, maybe some people who are listening don't know, but there is a cryptographical primitive called hashing algorithm, which can ensure like you're getting a very short signature which ensures that this document is not changed. So uh, it could be like one terabyte size of document and you're getting very small file and you always can recheck that this document after this hashing algorithm uh, works will always re uh, return this signature. So in IPFS, they decided that all the internet addresses are not actual like domain name or something because you can go to the same domain name two, two times a day and you will get different information which is not very good from privacy concern from security so they what they did that if you go to some address you 100 percent sure that it was not changed and and this and then you can sh uh, spread this information all around the internet it could be run on your computer, on my computer, on uh, data center in Amazon. And then uh, somebody from Lithuania, let's say, will be reading it from my computer because it's just closer to him because he's living in the same country as mm -hmm. I. Somebody in US will be uh, reading the same file, but from your computer. And it's right. really hard to kill it. 
Listen, I'm not going to lie to you. Your own internet service provider and your regular VPN are probably tracking your online movements and storing your data in centralized servers. So you can go trustless with Mysterium VPN. It's an open source VPN built upon decentralized architecture, which means it's technologically impossible to log all your data without the possibility of being traced or stored. So make the decentralized switch and get some free crypto tokens in your account at mysterium.network. With Web 3.0 and that kind of model where like things are not tampered with or whatever you want to call it, you, people still need to be able to find this information. So there still has to be some kind of like search engine, some kind of algorithm, which has to be governed by, made by people and governed by a body. So how can Web 3.0 exist with that in mind? To find information, do you know what is DNS, domain name system? Mm -hmm. It's a registry when all the websites are registered, like facebook.com, twitter.com, myname.org, uh, uh, whatever. Uh, so there is a big registry spread it over the internet. And in decentralized internet, we also have a couple of projects of such registries. So you could have also your domain names and those domain names could be changing, could point to some of these uh, files or whatever you want. And, and, and then you can create the same search engines as, as Google or anything else. They will be just indexing the information, but with one important thing, with the ensuring that the file you're actually looking at is the same as you wanted to look at. So, so does that mean that with Web 2.0, the files that I'm looking at now have been altered by people? 10 years ago, that would be a big problem, actually. Yeah. With, uh, because do, do you know that so sometimes you write HTTP and yeah. sometimes yeah. HTTPS? Yeah. So yeah. this S is about secure, yeah? Encrypted. So. Technically, this encryption is already in not 3.0 internet, mm -hmm. but it's not a uh, must technology, just addition to it. I, I remember when I was in university years and I was admining the network of, of my house. So I was able to read emails of girls who, who were living upside, uh. <laughs> upstairs. <laughs> Just because all the information went through the same router, same computer uh, to the public internet, okay. and it was not encrypted. Yeah. And what I could do, I could actually uh, send them different information. So they would open like yahoo.com and on that yahoo.com as a main banner could be whatever I wanted mm -hmm. because I controlled what they will get and there was no cryptographical insurance of that. So technically, in some countries, if you will try to open some websites, you will see different information than in all the rest world. Happily, these days, we are using this HTTPS, secure internet. So this encryption is already all, almost everywhere. Mm -hmm. And uh, in encryption is a very important part of security. In Web 3.0, just this encryption is as a default. You're not able to work without it. It just doesn't exist without it. So is it a common problem then for it to not have the S in Web yeah. 2.0? Never, never use websites which ha don't have S. 
Hmm. Okay. Just a general rule, uh, never use websites and uh, anything which don't has S. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I think this question goes back to the when, but what is delaying Web 3.0 from being today's reality? Like, why can't it be right now? Web 2.0 also didn't happen over one day. Mm-hmm. Uh, some people told that like the first big applications of Web 2.0, it was Wikipedia. It was Amazon, because on Amazon, you were able to uh, write a review of, over the book you just bought. Mm-hmm. On Wikipedia, you, you were able to edit the comp- content. But all the rest internet wasn't 2.0 yet. And it was evolving. So actually, it will not happen that today we are in 2.0, tomorrow we are in 3.0. As you see, this encryption is becoming like common thing, like Telegram, like many other apps are promoting encryption and that centralization becoming a thing. Many services starting to using cryptocurrencies for payments. So this transition will be like going step by step, slowly. Mm-hmm. So it will not happen like day and night. It will be long process. And one day we will understand that, oh, we are in different reality. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think that there will be a catalyst that will expedite the process of migration? Or do you think that the process will be long and slow and drawn out? I'm fine with both of them. Yeah. Maybe there will be some killer application which will just show that 3.0 is better. But yeah. most probably a catalyst will be big government, which yeah. becomes yeah. crazy. If the mm-hmm. US becomes socialist country, that will be good catalyst for Web 3.0. <laughs> yeah. But I would rather want it would go slowly. Yeah. But so... I don't remember the transition between one and two. I think I was too young. Like the internet as 2.0 is how I've always remembered it, I think. So can you, like, was there no catalyst there then, I assume, because the... I I would say that there were catalysts or Amazon. Those two were But I mean, like a specific event that made people be like, oh, we need a more connected web. It was just like more efficient when you started to have writable internet, like Amazon bookshop, that time just bookshop. It was just selling better because of those reviews. Mm -hmm. People were going to read their reviews and buying books. So just a business model worked better. So I think that another catalyst for Web 3.0 will be when we will find proper business models for uh, 3.0 applications. So all this revolution, which is happening around cryptocurrencies, like DeFi protocols, all that things are experimentation for Web 3.0. Because mm-hmm. look what happened, why 2.0 became so big. Mm-hmm. Because co- and how corporations started to control everything. In the right. beginning, that was internet and there was no money. There was then a lot of money came in and we had dot-com bubble year 98, 2000, yeah? And after dot-com bubble, uh, most of solutions died, but some had a lot of money to develop. Like Google born then, Amazon born then. And those 
showed that they are actually better solutions and they got a lot of investment. And you just need time and money to evolve all those technologies. And after that, VCs founded, oh, that works. So like in 2008, NASDAQ index wasn't going down as the whole other crisis companies, like all the companies filled crisis, but not a technology companies. NASDAQ was going up and up for last 20 years, most probably. And, and then it's a really hard to have the centralized system comparing, competing to centralized because centralized system found, founded business model, subscription model, for example. That's right, the something right. helped them to become rich and control everything. And now what we are doing, we are trying to find a business model for decentralized applications. So people would not like, for example, like Mysterium is also competitor for Tor in one way. Right. And Tor is a privacy network, which is don't have incentivization. So they don't have, they are not paying money for their exit nodes. So actually, and at Mysterium, what we added incentivization. So exit node runners are getting money for their risks, for their services, for using internet. And we see that we are able to get like orders of magnitude more exit nodes than Tor. Like we have already comparable number and we are 10 years younger project than Tor. Mm -hmm. And uh, people are willing to run services when they are getting paid. So I do believe that when we will find the proper business models for those who are running services for Web 3.0 for decentralized applications, it will just make them working more and more because that will be competing to Amazon, competing right. to Google. Yeah, that makes sense. And then this is going to encompass too, like things beyond Amazon and Google, like AR, VR, and like more advanced networking and geolocation and IoT and blockchain and things like that. It's hard for me to talk about AR, VR, because we are talking about the revolution of AR, VR for last 10, maybe 15 years. Yeah. Uh, I remember Google Glass project. I remember mm -hmm. many mm -hmm. different, there, there was social network, which was should kill Facebook and nothing happened. Like Oculus bought by Facebook like 10 years ago. Yeah. So it's very hard to say, will we go to that or not? Maybe bigger catalyst for AR VR would be if COVID would stay with us for the next five years. Because <laughs> and we have to live remotely through our yeah. VR, through our Oculus <laughs> systems. Actually, I've been on a crypt, magical crypto friends conference, which was AR conference. When you're trying to be in the room and yeah. uh, you, you can look to the left and see another avatar standing here and you can poke him or do something like it was super primitive. Yes. But if you're not able to gather together, you need to find out the different ways. So mm -hmm. maybe if COVID will stay with us for the next five years, <laughs> we'll see more yeah. and more like that. Well, okay, hopefully not. But if not AR, VR for like advancements in tech in the next five years, I think definitely we're going to bank on AI, ML, like artificial intelligence, machine learning. I and oh, I, it's, I, it's already here. Yeah. No, I, and it, that, that's like the one of the biggest parts of Web 3.0, is it not like banking on artificial intelligence? I would say that's a separate stream. Uh, it's not really related to Web 3.0, all this okay. uh, uh, ML and AI. 
because I would say that the biggest users of all these machine learning technologies are actually corporations. Mm. And the, the biggest application at the moment is actually social networks or right. ad, advertising platforms who are trying to analyze your data, to make picture of you, to, to find your uh, digital kind of signature and then give you the ads. Actually, I would say that Web 3.0 makes their life harder. Yeah, I was going to say, like, when you put it like that, AI seems like the antithesis of Web 3.0. It just seems like it doesn't match at all because it's almost like you're saying the opposite is true of what I was thinking. Of. You could use it. You could use it in some ways, like to, for better search, for some or yeah. organizing data. AI has so many applications, I would say, in robotics, in manufacturing. There are so huge amount of applications. So it's separate technologies. One is more about internet this 3.0 mm. and decentralization. Another is deeper than internet. It's going closer to us. It's all the smart devices and smart houses. Mm -hmm. And then actually Web 3.0 becomes like a magist, like autobahn for them because they, then AIs are able to buy for you beer over the internet <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and or another AI, it could be like data center, which is run by AI, which is getting paid. And it's, it's just additional, like they are working together, but they could be separate. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, but see, the thing I don't understand about Web 3.0 is uh, I've never heard Web 3.0 discussed without b discussing artificial intelligence as well. And in my mind, I just don't imagine how artificial intelligence is permissionless or is decentralized because it still requires the programming of a human being who is going actually, to have biases and whatnot. Actually, it would be very dangerous to have decentralized IE, AI. Yeah. Because that means that he could do whatever he wants. Whatever he wanted, yeah. Uh, I think that a highest level of uh, AI is... Let's hope it's not comes too soon and we yeah. will be prepared already. <laughs> so then why do people talk about AI and Web 3.0 in tandem so often then? Uh, sometimes I hear that in ICO projects or some projects for raising money. Why? Because it's just hot topics. And when you need to, that's my personal opinion. Maybe there is an angle which could be used, but it's just like you just name blockchain, AI, something else, and you get money. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, because, but that's why I was where I got confused. So, what are the components really of Web 3.0? Because I've read, if you, go, if you Google this, they're gonna, it's going to tell you like semantic web, social web, and 3D interactive enabled technologies. So, so semantic web, it's that uh, first, I mentioned here that there are two different web 3.0s. Mm -hmm. So one of them is a semantic web. Mm -hmm. Another is decentralized web. Okay. So both of them will be mentioned as web 3.0. Mm -hmm. Semantic web, it was something people talked about 10 years ago already. And this is a semantic web, it helps the uh, Internet of Things. 
and robots to, to, to analyze data better. But actually these days, the biggest move, much bigger movement in Web3 is blockchain, cryptocurrency, and decentralization movement. It's not mm-hmm. always a cryptocurrency, it's, uh, but it's always decentralization mm-hmm. in one or another way. So what's the potential of blockchain technology in Web 3.0? It's one of the um, building blocks. Yeah. I would say that in Web 3.0, one of the building blocks is cryptography, encryption, because it ensures privacy for you. Another building block is blockchain because that's a monetization ability. Mm-hmm. Then you can actually monetize y- y- your services in one or another way. Also, some people using blockchain to ensure governance because you have the centralized platform and then you want to evolve it somehow. So you need governance layer. If nobody controls it, so how it will learn? Either AI, but then it's dangerous because you don't control it. Either it's a governance when people are voting for one or another direction. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what I, I think you already mentioned that you think Web 3.0 is already here, but when do you think we will officially be able to say we are in Web 3.0? Five to 10 years. Five to 10 years. Okay, that's pretty good. Not bad. All right. I can handle that. I will be patiently waiting then. Yaro, thank you so much for joining the podcast. I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. I hope it was not too technical. Sometimes I'm using maybe too complicated uh, Uh, terminology, but... uh, Well, I think we've got a technical listener base, so I hope everybody likes this episode as well. I think I learned a lot about Web 3.0, so I appreciate your time. Awesome. So if we want to find you, Yaro, and Mysterium Networks, where can we look online? So you, you could go to mysterium.network. Uh, so that's our website when you can find us. Or you can just uh, Google me, Yaro Satkevik, and you will find my Twitter and all the other profiles. It's a rather hard handle so i will (laughs) all right i will put it in the show notes for everybody awesome thank you very much yaro thank you goodbye bye if you like this episode don't forget to like share and subscribe to the hacker noon channels and of course as always you can find hacker noon on linkedin instagram and twitter see you later on Oh, and also this episode was produced by Hacker Noon, hosted by me, Amy Tom, and edited by Damien. <laughs>